the very end of the book, chapter 3, verse 18. 2 Peter 3.18. I want to share with you a passage of the Bible that I think has shaped my attitude toward the church, toward what we're all about, almost as much as any other passage in the Bible. And I know that there are such wonderful passages of the Bible that we love that are, um, are defining verses for us as we think about the church. But this one, This one verse for 27 years in my life, since I was first set apart as a pastor, this verse has been a catapult for me into ministry. And to love the church has caused me to love what we do together, what we are all about together as much as any other passage. And this is the Apostle Peter, an old man now, at the end of his life in his final letter, and now his final words. To his beloved church. And he says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. And I simply want us to take this verse apart together and explore it. And, and I want to invite you to own it to own this verse. As we move ahead together as a church family in these next couple of weeks, he says, but grow. And he says this because living things grow, don't they? Living things grow. Before I went to England uh, a couple weeks ago, I overseeded my lawn, all those bare, dark brown spots, you know, and I thatched it up, and I scattered the seed, and I went away and came back two weeks later, and guess what? The grass was growing. And, I'm, you know, there's something weird about a man and his lawn, you know, the, you know and, and, and the grass was growing there in those bare spots. Living things grow. I have this little video clip of a, a little boy in the first year of his life, and his father just sort of lays him down. Mike, if you can turn that on for us. His father just lays him on the same blanket. And watch this little guy. There he is. Goes on. This is inside of one year. There he goes again. One more time. Living things grow. I watch my little granddaughter, Evelyn. Mike, you can turn that off now, that, because I want to talk about Evelyn. And, and my little granddaughter, I only get to see her every number of weeks or even months. And when I see her grow and develop, now she's, she's laughing and she's chuckling and, and she's, there's rapport and she's physically stronger. Here, let me show you some pictures. Just kidding, just kidding. (laughs) Living things grow. And the church is alive. The church is a living organism. Did you know that? We are a body. So like that little guy in the pictures, we should all be growing. Now, I'm, I'm not talking about growing your waistline. You know, that's easy for me to do. I've gained quite a few pounds since I've come 
to Oyster Bay, you know. Uh, that, that's easy. But he's, he's talking about the healthy kind of growth here. He's actually talking about bulking up, that kind of continual exercise and strengthening of your body where you get stronger and leaner and more healthy. You know, I have a friend, he drinks this protein powder, you know, and, and uh, sometimes he even puts a raw egg in it, you know, and, and all this, he, it's, he, he wants his body to be healthy and strong, and, and, and he does the exercise, and he knows if he stops exercising, what happens to his muscles? Do they say the same, stay the same? No, they don't. They begin to atrophy. They begin to weaken. And so living things in order to grow need that constant vital engagement. This is why Peter says here that growth for the Christian, the follower of Christ, growth for the church is not an option. In the grammar it says be constantly growing. Paul says the same thing in Ephesians 4 that we studied. He says in verse 15, listen carefully, he says, but we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows, there's that word again, grows, and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The arms can't go for a jog without the legs. The legs can't go for a run without the eyes. The eyes can't see where you're going unless the legs are moving. So it is a, it is a corporate activity. Paul says clearly, and Peter speaks in the plural. We grow. And you never stop growing as a Christian, do you? Is there somebody here in this room that would put up their hand and say, well, pastor, really, you need to know, I have arrived. <laughs> I've gone about as far as anyone could go, and I, I have to tell you, I'm quite satisfied with how far I have grown, how well-developed I am. Why, why, thank you, but no thank you for Christianity Explored. Why, thank you for the offer of Sunday school, but it's really not necessary. And those sermons, you know, I'll, as long as you have some good video clips, I guess I'll pay attention. But to be honest with you, I've already arrived, and I'm quite satisfied. Is there anybody here that could possibly say that and mean it? We never stop growing. I'll never stop growing. And so back earlier in 2 Peter, at the beginning of the book, he says, Make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness. And he goes on in this, this little phrase, make every effort. Uh, you know, we Presbyterians, we are always emphasizing the grace of God, the sovereignty of God in our growth. And that is important because it is God who nurtures us. It's God who made my grass grow back home. I didn't make it grow. God made it grow. And yet... And yet there is our cooperation. We are involved. You have to get out of bed to come here, to be at your small group meeting at John Morkin's house or Don Cameron's group or uh, with Charlene Heinel's group or to Nina's Bible study or to be at the Manhattan Fellowship or in any of the groups that we have with the Wongs down in Port Washington or for your kids to get to youth group. You have to get in the car. but we want to grow. We don't want to atrophy. 
So our staff has been praying together. Our elders have been praying together. And we've said, Lord, would you give us what you want for us so that we can grow together in the fall of 2010? We don't know what it is. Lord, give it to us. What should the women's Bible study study? What should the youth group emphasize? What curriculum should the Sunday school teachers embrace? And I've been praying for a long time, Lord, I want a particular outreach that's, uh, and, and, and um, teaching time that's really good for people who don't know the Lord, but at the same time is really encouraging for people who have walked with the Lord for many years. And I've looked at all the different discipleship plans, and I think Christianity Explored meets both. This is why we're going to be doing this on Tuesday nights. And the elders in our elders retreat in the spring, we watched the videos and we agreed unanimously together, this will be good for people who don't know Christ, your neighbors, your family members, uh, uh, somebody that you've been praying for and wanting to encourage them in a walk with God. And you'll give them the opportunity to ask any one question they might have for God. They can ask it. But it's also good for the elders of the church for those of you who've walked with Jesus for a long time, to explore in the Gospel of Mark his identity, his mission, and his calling on your life. So at the end of September, we still have a few more weeks till this starts, the last Tuesday night in September, we come together at 7 o'clock for dinner. We're going to prepare dinner for you, all the small groups, and then we'll break up across our campus, our vast campus here, and all the groups will meet, and I can't wait. The youth group kicks it off next Sunday night at 6.30. Brandon can't wait. It's going to be wonderful. Do you want to be a a one-year-old Christian for 20 years, or do you want to be a 20-year-old Christian after 20 years? Peter understood something about growth. He started out, he was Simon. And then Jesus said to him, but from now on, you will be Peter the rock. He went from a little pebble to Peter the rock. And what does the text say? I love this text. It says, grow in the grace and knowledge. I love this. Do you catch this? It's not grow in grace without knowledge. What would it be like to grow in grace without knowledge? You know, I meet people, and they say things like this. I just really want to be a better person. Why, I want to come to church and, and just learn how to be a nicer person and how to cope with life just a little better. I, I want the grace of God to equip me for life. But, you know, all that doctrine stuff, All that Bible study and learning about truth and all that, you know, you can take that. But you see, Peter, Peter doesn't want you to grow in grace without knowledge. In fact, he knows you can't grow truly in the grace of God without knowledge. Doctrine matters. But at the same time, it's not knowledge without grace. And we probably all know people who are very doctrinaire, why they've memorized the Westminster Shorter Catechism, and they've, they have their long list of, of uh, greenhouse Bible verses memorized. They've got them all memorized and can repeat them back to you, but it hasn't touched the heart. 
We call that dead orthodoxy. That's a perilous way to live. That's knowledge without grace, without encountering and living out of a relationship with the gracious Lord and Savior. So Peter is so balanced. Let's grow in both. He says, grow in the grace of God. And he says, grace first. And I think that's because Peter knew a little something about grace, didn't he? If you study his life, remember Peter? The impetuous guy who puts one foot in his mouth after another, always blurting out, making mistakes. And Jesus is so tender with him. And he even denies Christ. And Jesus is so tender and gracious with him. Peter knew what it was to experience and live out of the grace of God. He relished that grace. Now, when we think of grace, we automatically think of knowing Jesus Christ as our Savior, right? Grow in the grace of Jesus Christ, your Savior. And so we should because that's all about the forgiveness of my sins. That's all about the effects of the cross for me. And as we studied this past summer, all of these sins, this, it was an intense summer we had together, studying these deadly sins in our lives. Week after week, you know what that did to me? It kept driving me to the cross. It kept driving me back to Jesus. It kept causing me to exalt in the blood of Christ, my Savior. And I hope it did the same thing for you as they peeled away the layers of the onions on my heart. It wasn't a bad experience. It was a healthy, holy, uh, healing experience because it drove me to Christ and made me long for the newness of life that comes from the grace of my Savior. You might scratch your head and say, but how do you grow in being forgiven? I mean, can you get more forgiven than what the cross gave you? Well, no. But you can grow in your appreciation of the cross. Grace that's greater than all my sins. But notice, Peter is very precise. He says, grow in the grace and knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so to grow in grace is not just to grow in acknowledging the cross. It's to grow in the grace of walking with your Savior. And, and this is where the rubber really meets the road in my life and in your life. Because sometimes I feel weak and I need strength. And Paul says to Timothy, listen to this, 2 Timothy 2, verse 1, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And when you need strength, according to the Apostle Paul, you need grace. When you need strength, do you just need more advice? Is that, you know, Pastor, what I need when I'm hurting, when I'm feeling really weak, is just all my friends to give me lots and lots of advice. Well, maybe that advice is okay. But according to this, what you need is the grace of God in your life to strengthen you, to enlarge your heart, to give you hope, to plant a seed of hope, to plant some strength for you. You need endurance? You need endurance, so do I. When Paul is talking about enduring suffering, remember that thorn in his flesh? And, and we don't know what that thorn in the flesh was, but it must have been something awful because three times he says, God, God, take away this thorn. In my life, this suffering, I am miserable. And three times God said to him, this is in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
And when you need to endure, again, do you just need a lot of advice from Job's friends? No, what do you need? You need grace to endure. You know, this church is about knowing the grace of God, the love of God for you, that you may endure, and you may not only have strength, but you will carry on. Even if the circumstances continue to be dark and hard, you will carry on because of the grace of God in your life, and you grow in your appreciation and knowledge of His grace. And then you have grace, the grace of your Lord Jesus Christ, not just your Savior, but of your Lord Jesus Christ. He gives you grace to give yourself away. And this is startling. This is startling. The Macedonian church, the church in Macedonia, Paul was just in Macedonia earlier this year. The church in, ancient church in Macedonia, Paul, was apparently the most generous of all the little churches. And they were very poor. And it's still poor over there in many quarters. They were very poor. But Paul said they excelled in the grace of giving. And then he writes to the Corinthians, and he said, see to it that you also excel. In what? For, for giving. In the grace of giving. Grace is necessary for you to actually be able to give away your money. Did you know that? It's not about the law. It's not about the preacher wagging his finger at you. It's all about an appreciation of the grace of God. And you go beyond that. In that passage, he actually talks about giving yourself away. Even beyond that, and he says you, you have grace to love. See, this, this is something that New Yorkers need a little help with. I believe this because we are so prone. I am the chief of sinners here. I am so prone in my busyness, in my task orientation to say, how are you doing? Now let's get down to business. Do you know how to say the words, how are you doing? Do you know how to do that? Do you do that? You busy, busy New Yorker. Do you say, how are you doing? and then listen to the answer without catapulting into your glorious wise advice for the poor person who hasn't even finished telling you how you're doing? Do you know how to do that? In the passage here in 2 Corinthians, he says, "There's this, you excel in this grace of giving yourself away, and that means giving away your time and caring about other people takes grace to do that. Grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's just a few areas where growth and grace is needed. Know Him as your gracious Savior, but He is your Lord, and He gives you grace for strength and endurance and for giving yourself away. Let's commit to that. But then He couples it with knowledge, and you grow in knowledge I was thinking about this. The verse that came into my mind was that amazing moment in the Gospel of John chapter 6 when Jesus has just fed the 5,000. He's just done this amazing miracle. They, the people wanted to make him king, and then Jesus says, well, let's sit down and let's talk a little bit. And he starts teaching them. 
And by the time he's done with the sermon, they're out of there. People are gone. It says, as a result of this teaching, many people turned away and were walking with him no longer. That's John 6, verse 66. I, can just, I could picture, you know, I start my sermon and pretty soon, 2, 3, 5, 20, 30 people out the door, you know. And as a result of this, many of his disciples were walking with him no longer, and he turns to Peter and the disciples. And he says, will you also go away? What a moment. And Peter Peter gets this right. And he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. No, we're not going anywhere, Jesus. We're here with you. The knowledge of Christ. He knew the words of Christ. They had sunk deep into his soul. He grew in the knowledge of the words of Jesus Christ. And that is why we take this book, we are committed to learning from the, the inscripturated Word of God that Cleopas learned on the road to Emmaus. All the Scriptures spoke of him. And when we study the life of Abraham, we will study Jesus Christ and his gospel because all the scriptures speak of him, and we learn of Jesus together. And then we say, now I've come to know, to know you, to know that you are the Holy One of God. Do you know that? You see, this is not about religion. This is about knowing him. I want to know you more, Lord, we sang this morning. Down through the centuries, the church of Jesus Christ has fallen off of one side of the horse or the other. Some want to grow in grace, but don't give me that doctrine stuff. Other people want to grow in knowledge and doctrine, but, they, but it never touches their life. That's not what Peter says here at the end of his second epistle. He says, but you. Grow in the grace and knowledge of your Savior and your Lord, Jesus Christ. And as a result, Peter can't hold it in. And he says, to him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. And you know what that verse does for me every time I read it? Every time I read the end of that verse, it's like Peter saying to me, and guess what, John? It's not about you. Wait, I thought this was all about me growing and me growing. <laughs> no, it is about me growing, but it's not about me growing. It's about Him. To Him be glory in the church both now and forever. Amen. And He's saying then that a zeal for Jesus Christ and for His glory should erupt in our hearts, should overflow in our lives as we come to know Him and experience Him and, and experience His grace. Peter says, it's really interesting, he says, you will have zeal now and you will have zeal forever. Now, maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, listen John, 
Someone brought me here today, but I really wasn't all that excited about coming, and frankly, I don't care all that much. Is that, you know, if, if that's in you, if that's in you a lot, then you have to even ask the question, am I even a Christian? Am I even a Christian? If I have no zeal at all for the glory of Jesus Christ now, now, sometimes our hearts get hard, but we need Him to soften them. Sometimes our hearts get cold, but we need Him to warm them. Friends, do you have zeal, a, a delight in His glory, and an eager desire to praise Him? That's, that is what the Christian wants to do now. That's what I want to do. Is that what you want to do? And to praise Him forever. You see, presidents and emperors and sports stars, they come and go. They come and go. Franklin Roosevelt was president for four terms. But, well, we don't think a whole lot about Franklin Roosevelt these days. Alexander the Great conquered the world. When's the last time you spent a good period of time meditating on the glory of Alexander the Great? Mike Schmidt, Richie Ashburn, Del Ennis. Great heroes of the Philadelphia Phillies. When is the last time you ever thought about them? Or Gil Hodges, or they come and go. But Daniel tells us in Daniel chapter 7, looking forward to the coronation of Jesus Christ, he says, and his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is one that shall never pass away. We praise him now, and we will praise him forever. The world will never cease to glorify Jesus Christ. Are you on board with it? Because the praise of Jesus Christ goes forward with or without you. But are you a part of it? Are you an eager participant in it? We join Sunday after Sunday, not to make some noise, but because the universe sings His praises. And we can't wait to join in. To Him be glory now and forever. I'm not asking you to drink raw eggs and eat protein powder. But I am asking you to question yourself. What will it take? To arrive here by 9.30 on a Sunday morning, what will it take for you to arrive here by 7 o'clock on a Tuesday night? What will it take? Now grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we do want to join in the chorus of praise to you now. And we remember that there is, there is no one else who is worthy like you are worthy of praise. We hear the Apostle Peter as a young disciple, say, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed. And we pray for anyone here today who might say, I think I do believe for the first time. I do believe in the, 
in the excellency of Jesus Christ. And I acknowledge